Welcome everybody to our third actual play session through the Candlekeep Mysteries. As always, we're really excited to go ahead and invite our Patreons in to come and play with us on a fine, sunny Sunday afternoon. Uh, we have some new players and some old players and some players that were here last month also. And so uh, this is going to be really great. We've got a really great cast on here for today. As sort of a postlude to last month. There's going to be a little bit here at the beginning, close out a little bit of last month. So first of all, I hope that anybody that was here for last month's game, I hope that you saw the items and things which were bestowed upon you and that you have them you know, on your character sheet. Anybody who wasn't here last month doesn't have one, but there are three players here from last month. So hopefully you guys all have your stuff. And so again, we're going to kind of guide through the introductions here for this first half, like we do always. Without further ado, let's begin. So as always, our mission today begins with several of you mingling around the hearth, which is the tavern in the large central courtyard of Candlekeep. Kess, Alarai, Kilvarax, and Inan find themselves milling about, drinking their normal drinks, enjoying their normal after-day study imbibes and meals while seated at the tavern. Arlington, the avowed that you have come to know as sort of the welcomer for new seekers to Candlekeep, is in his normal bar stool at the bar. He and Emoen are talking in hushed tones about sort of the way that things are going by. And as usual, he periodically will pull an amulet out of a pouch on his side. It will glow with a faint green and he will mutter something under his breath about the carriage being late. You will have learned over the last several days or weeks as, as you've been here that he seems to be always complaining about the fact that the carriage is late for some reason or another. Uh, the carriage just never seems to be on time. And so while last time it was a little out of place because of the extreme weather that you guys were having, it does not seem to be that unusual that it happens. All that to say that when he sees you all sitting at your respective tables, he turns to you and says, Oh, wait, a letter came. Your friend Simeon has left the keep uh, and wished a message to be delivered to you. Uh, hold on, it's around here somewhere. Ah, yes, here it is. That's right, here it is. And he pulls it out. It is adorned with a wax seal. The wax seal has two ornate capital letter R's entwined on it. And as you open it, uh, it's almost as if you can hear it being read in Simeon's voice. Here's friends. It is with a heavy heart that I must bid you farewell overnight. A letter has been delivered to me, which beckons me home, as I am to be sworn into the ranks of the Purple Dragons. I will be granted a special post with responsibilities akin to those of the rank of Telsor. This is an honor I've been working towards for most of my life. And though my studies here at Candlekeep are not yet done, I must call them to a pause. I will be gone for some time, but my plan is to return and complete my studies at some point in the future. For now, I will be posted to a unit serving within the city of Suser. 
I leave a gift for you, my friends, and those you meet. Please enjoy this new signature blend of teas that I have developed. Its flavor is both sharp and bold, with the slow back note that is both unique and surprising. In short, the perfect blend to share with friends and companions. I call it Wintermere's Candle Carriage Blend. I do so look forward to sharing it with you all in the future. With time growing short, I leave with the kind words of the sacred pilgrims that travel our lands. Until we meet again, I bid you shade and sweet water. Signed, Simeon Peleus of House Wintermere, Sergeant of the Miral and Guard of Cormere, soon to be Delsword of the Purple Dragons, Oathbound. And with that gift, Arlington takes several boxes with the House Wintermere sigil on them. Within them is this, as he says, bold and surprising aroma of fine tea, freshly ground as gifts to all of you who knew Simeon before he left. We turn now to the carriage that many of you are familiar with. Candy and Searches the Sands, uh, a ornate black carriage with bronze braziers on the corner, lighting the outside, pulled by four masterful steeds, pulls up in front of wherever you are waiting for it uh, to take you to Candlekeep. Candy, will begin with you. You step into uh, the carriage. Would you please describe your character? Absolutely. Candy is a just over six foot tall, rather thin, slight, yellow-skinned alien creature, a gith from the Astral Sea. He carries across his lap a great sword that looks well-used and slightly silvered, though not ornately. He wears scale mail armor that is dented and battered as if it has seen much use, and... If an alien's features could be read, he would look weary. Excellent. Fabulous. And searches the sands shortly after Candy gets on the carriage. The carriage also pulls up in front of you. Would you please describe your character? All right. Searches the sands is about 5'10", all black fur tabaxi, uh, with some light leather armor on and intricately woven around his left forearm is a golden chain. And you also see a full fingered golden ring on his right middle finger with a large blue gem on it. Fabulous. And you step into the carriage and you see our six foot tall alien friend, Candy, stepping onto the carriage. You see a almost as tall as you jet black tabaxi. The carriage runs on down the road. The road is well-worn. It's a nice and smooth ride. The steeds are quick. You can feel the breeze around the carriage. It is, again, sort of late spring, early summer. So as night falls, there tends to be somewhat of a chill in the air, but otherwise it's perfectly pleasant. 
after searches the sand steps on the carriage the carriage makes another stop and a gentleman in a large black cloak with a red sash around his waist has a box in his hands and you hear him talking to the carriage driver in hushed tones candy or searches the sands do any of you have any interest in uh trying to understand what they are saying candy maintains his distance and his privacy i will not overly pay attention but kind of lean my ear towards to try to see if i can pick up anything with the wind, it's a little hard to pick up exactly what they're saying, but you get the feeling that the gentleman in the black cloak is asking the carriage driver to bring a package to Candlekeep, that he's not interested in passage himself, uh, but he is negotiating uh, for transit of the box that he is holding in his hands. And he and the carriage driver negotiate. Um, he hands the box to the carriage driver. Um, and then the gentleman in the black cloak seems to disappear into the distance as if unnaturally so. And then within a few moments, carriage driver again steams off. And within a short time, the carriage arrives finally at Candlekeep. And within, the attendant at the front gate ushers the two of you into the waiting tavern. And an older, grizzled gentleman in the robes of Candlekeep uh, invites you to sit at either bar stool. He turns to his left and Candy looks at you and says, uh, I will be honest, uh, we do not get many of your kind here. Why are you here and what will you be researching? I am learning more about this realm that I reside in now. I learn about the history of the Red Fang and I learn about our foes. You will abide by the rules of the Candlekeep while you are within these walls? Absolutely. Rules are in place for reasons. Then welcome, Seeker. What gift have you brought the library? Candy will take out a small book, probably not more than 10, 15 pages long, and he will open it up and he will incite and he'll offer the book open a book of original poetry in deep speech arlington will respond back to you in deep speech there are not many tomes that are written in this tongue and it is the skilled seeker who seeks them out this will be a valuable addition to our shelves, and the library thanks you. He'll nod his head. Turning to his right, searches the sands. Arlington will address you. We also do not get many of your kind. What are you coming to research? How may we be of assistance? I seek to learn more of the archaeology of the deserts here. I have this old tome detailing many of the tombs found in the Kalim Desert. The sections about the treasures within is a bit outdated, but the rest holds up. I oh. seek to find some other tombs that have eluded this book. Mm. My tabaxi friend, if we got rid of tomes in this library merely because their information seems to be outdated, this library would be a quarter of its size and an eighth of its usefulness. 
welcome. You are both granted the rank of seeker for one ten day to conduct your research as you see fit. Humble thanks. After the discussion is done, Catalyst, the avowed assistant to Arlington that many of you are familiar with, walks into the tavern carrying a, a, a black box. Candy and searches the sands. You recognize this box as the box that was given to the carriage driver. For the rest of you in the tavern, it is roughly 18 inches long, eight or nine inches tall, and about 10 inches deep. So it's a sizable box made of wood from the looks of it, stained darkly. Um, there is an engraving of a raven on the top and a red ribbon uh, on the top. It looks like a little parchment tag. And Catalyst brings the box into the tavern and walks up to Arlington and says, uh, Arlington, the, uh, the, the, the carriage rider uh, reports that there was a box given to him to deliver to the candlekeep here, and it's addressed to Matrias. Now, Kilvarex and Cass, does the name Matrias sound familiar to you? Deeply. Very much so. Arlington gets a, a concerned look on his face. And he turns and looks at you from across the bar and says, uh, Kilvarex and, and, and Kess, uh, you, you uh, investigated uh, the affair with, with, with Matrias, right? Kess looks at Kilvarex. Kilvarex looks over Arlington and says, well, that's putting it mildly. Yes. Can you think of any reason why he would be receiving... Was there anything in his writing saying that he was uh, expecting anything or, or, or anything like that? He had relatives not far that were under duress that he was supposed to go help. That's right. That's right. He was investigating something about what was happening at his home village. Uh, what was it? Some kind of drought or something. I don't quite remember. Destruction? Fire? Candlekeep has fairly robust rules about opening packages in public. This should be investigated. I, I think that perhaps we should... Uh, you know what? Matrias's study cell is, is still available. Uh, we have not disturbed it since the last uh, disturbance. Perhaps we should retire there so that we can investigate the contents of the package. There, there may be clues about what he was searching for within. Alarai and, and Inan, I know you have sort of been part of this merry band now. My tabaxi friend and my gith, if you would be interested, you may have information about the person that delivered this that might be useful. If you would please all attend with me to his cell of study so we can investigate the contents of the box further. I will allay myself as I am able, and I'll follow. Alarai glances at Kess, who she has made friends with since, kind of shrugs and silently follows. Gilvarix looks at Kess and says, Here we go again. Kess grins and slips down off the tall stool, lands cat-like, and follows. Your tones insinuate that you are familiar with this individual. What should we know going in? Things did not end well for him. Mm. 
That's an understatement. And this gift comes from beyond the grave? We don't know. We do know that his village urgently needed his help and was searching for him. We did promise we would help him. Honor bound, I am, to make sure that something is done. That is certainly something that I understand. Let us go hence. So Arlington gets up from his bar stool and begins walking through the halls. He he enters a building, and the building is a very drab stone. Again, Kilvarex and Kess, you recognize this as the building that you entered previously. And there are several small doors. They all look very nondescript and very similar. And third one down from the left, Arlington raps three times. Um, there is no answer, but the you hear the unlock of a mechanism from within. And the door opens, revealing a small but well-apportioned room There's a desk off to one side that seems lit by a candle, which has not shrunk since you last saw it. And the flame seems somewhat unnatural, as if it is not real fire. Otherwise, this room, Kilbarics and Kess, is exactly the way that you left it before. The notebook, the handwritten notebook that you had found is still on the desk. And Arlington walks over to the desk and sort of slides some things around to make room for the box. And as he opens the box, there is a dark black leather bound book and a folded note, again with a red ribbon tied around it. Arlington pulls it out of the large black stained box and extends it around the room. Anybody curious enough to open it? I think you should open it over there while I stay over here. I remember what happened in this room last time things were opened. That's fair. That's fair. So he walks over to a far corner of the room, tries to get as far away from many of you as possible, and at the end of his fingertips undoes the red ribbon surrounding it. And as he does, the parchment opens in front of him, and he looks at it sort of cautiously. Huh. It's a riddle says, this book is a key that needs no lock, the other a lock that needs no key. Use one to open the door to come in, the other to open the door to leave. Well, that's interesting. The other what, says Cass? The other. That's all that it says. Perhaps there's a second book? And what would this book be unlocking? It's probably another extra-dimensional space. That's right. Last time that Matrias was involved, that's what he was researching, were travel to other dimensions and extra-dimensional pocket realms and things. So why would this book have been delivered for him? I wonder how the book is a key. A key to Uh, knowledge? It does appear that that is the obvious interpretation. 
Well, books are not always what they seem around here. We've already learned that. I wonder if the book itself takes us to another space. Well, as our dear Simeon is not here, we may be a little more safe. <laughs> he did have some rather unfortunate literary mishaps, didn't he? Use one, that is this book, to open the door to come in. And the other to open the door to leave. I would agree with Kilvarix. It seems that there is some sort of extra-dimensional play at work here. wonder what happens when we open this book. It's over there in the box. I opened the letter. Too bad we don't have Simeon to open it for us. Do you look have the time for a proper investigation? I'll look around at the others. I will make the same deal with you that we made last time, that I would be happy to reward you for this for investigating what is going on here. You are helping augment the knowledge of the Candlekeep and helping keep Candlekeep safe. We have a great many resources pulled in other directions right now. We would reward you for your investigation. With that said, Alari will walk right over to the book and open it. I will interpose myself if need be. Explain how you would interpose yourself. Kate. I would either step between Alari and the book or if need be, put a hand on her shoulder. And I, and I do say, please don't yet. She'll pause. Proper research. And I will take out my grimoire. And I will begin ritually casting Identify on the book. Excellent. As you cast Identify, you see our gith friend with his hand on the book. Uh, he seems to be in some sort of a trance. And I did take out my grimoire first, so it, it should be obvious that he's casting a spell. Rolls her eyes a little and starts looking around the room. The room seems very much the same way that it was last time you saw it. Uh, absent the uh, giant purple miasmatic door that brought you to another plane of existence. You are trying to commune with the book uh, to go ahead and identify what its nature is. You can tell that it is absolutely a magical thing. It is not a normal book. It is. It definitely has some sort of magic about it. But it is almost as if when you tried commuting with it, if you think about the uh, like the depictions of like in physics drawings about the gravitational pull of a black hole, how they just seem to be this infinite well of nothingness kind of at the end, that's almost what you feel as you try to identify with it. You can tell for sure it is distinctly magical, but it's almost like whatever its essence is, you're not able to see the bottom of the well, so to speak. It is definitely as if it is, there's a connection between this book and something else. Something else or somewhere else? Somewhere else. I believe that your ideas are correct. As you're identifying, you get the sense of purple. You see purple, you taste purple, you hear purple. There's something, it, this purple, dark, deep purple sense. You're not getting that the purple is an identifier, but it is more a characteristic of the origin of the book or the passage or something like that. Very confusing visions coming from your identify. Your original assessment seems to be accurate. This book is linked to somewhere else. P 
possibly somewhere, I would not want to say infinite, but somewhere deep, as in a well where the bottom cannot be found. Somewhere purple? So can we open it now? I would advise being prepared for the worst. Searches the sands and Inan based on your angle. Arlington over in the corner takes a pinch of salt out of his belt pouch and dribbles it in front of his face so it falls in front of him like a shimmering curtain. What are you doing, my friend? Protection. From what? Who knows? Based on the last book that Alari dealt with, she's going to hold out her hand and a purple dagger is going to appear in her hand and she's going to have it prepared and glance Mm -hmm. around and make sure that everybody is ready. And unless somebody tells her not to this time, she's going to open the book. Candy will step back and kind of grip his great sword baseball swing stance and it begins to glimmer with green flames. Tess, in contrast, steps to Alarai's elbow, ready to protect her. Alarai, as you reach down to touch the book, the leather, it is smooth with age, and you can feel the rustle of aged paper uh, within the book as you turn it. As you lift the cover, all of you in the room begin to get very keenly aware that a purple mist or fog is beginning to emanate from the floor. Candy, it is the shade that your mind keyed in on as you were communing with the book. And the room slowly begins to fill, but not in a way that is oppressive or poisonous, but you are also keenly aware that as the room begins to fill, that you are no longer in the room the room itself has drifted away um, and you are now enveloped in this cold mist fog that has filled the room. You are not sure where your compatriots are anymore. Uh, You feel both alone, but you're not sure sort of which way is up. You still feel like your feet are on solid ground, but you are definitely off kilter as the world around you changes. This remarks, oh, what a surprise. Braces herself. The next thing you see is that a early morning sun is beginning to peek through the fog as it melts away. And you find yourself, the six of you, around a well in what looks like a rundown beaten village. There are broken rock walls. There are dilapidated buildings. There's overgrown pathways with grass and moss sort of coating everything. But it is not a village that any of you are familiar with. And you see that you are all sort of gathered around a actual stone well, which is nondescript for the most part, save for another trifolded piece of paper with a red sash on it on the wall of the well. It is very early in the morning, probably just at sunrise. S says, I think that's a hint. Inan would like to look at Alarai and say, 
Alray. I don't believe that was just a book. Candy will look at him and go, your assessment is accurate. Tavarx is going to look at Cass and say, I don't know if this is better or worse than the mansion. Cass is going to look back and say, do you want to open the note or shall I? I'll get it. And Kavarks will go grab the note. As you peel open the sash that's binding the note, you see a map. It's a map. Not a very good one either. No, I agree. And then Kavarks will show it to everyone here. Since we're in this together, anyone have any ideas? That says, looking meaningly at Kilvarax, where's the you are here? That would be helpful, would it not? It does seem to have directions. Follow the trail to the hand and horn past Three Tree Hill over River Warren. To the worm's mark in the foggy moors west of there, the treasure's yours. I would assume that that means that we are at which way? Alari is actually going to look around in that building that's down in the left-hand corner, because there looks like an arrow pointing at that picture. Mm -hmm. Is there a church-like structure that I can see in the landscape? No, not, not that you can see in the landscape. However, looking through the village, so again, you kind of have this road sort of in front of you, Again, kind of heading this direction. Uh, but if you continue looking past the village, maybe a couple hours away, you see a large pointed spire and next to it, another kind of vertical structure with five smaller spires on top of it. And the road seems to head that direction. Hmm. Anon would like to investigate the well, Phil's water skin, if the uh, water is drinkable. Sure, absolutely. So you lower the bucket down, the the hinges creak with age uh, as if this has not been used in some time. You are able to pull up some water. There's not much water in there and it definitely has sort of an odor to it as if the well has not been tended to in some time. There is some sort of wild animal in the brush 30 feet away from you. Doesn't seem particularly violent, but what is it and what is it doing? It appears to be watching us, but I am unable to get a good, clear look of it, but it, it must be some type of indigenous predator. You're not quite sure what the animal is. It seems to be a mix of a bunch of different kinds of animals. Um, and as it's looking at you, it doesn't seem to be looking at you with fear or with trepidation, but more like in a territorial sort of, if you get any closer, we're going to rumble. But it's also keeping its distance from you and the rest of the party. Candy, the snake that you took off your neck, it begins slithering off and sort of investigating. I'm asking yep. it to follow the road where it says this way, because I'm assuming mm -hmm. that on this map, we are at which way? It will slither off to begin investigating. As you are looking through the grass, there's a ring half concealed in the dirt at your feet. It has sort of an antique bronzy finish and a sigil of a raven on it. And as you look at it, you hear in your head that it wants to be picked up and it wants to be put on. You are 
charmed by the ring and compelled to put it on. This is an interesting bauble, and I will pick it up and slip it on. Fabulous. You are now wearing the raven's ring. Kilvarex, you suddenly start to feel ill. Like something is something is wrong. You you don't feel well. Um, describe your symptoms. All the purple and the, the gut-wrenching movement has made me so that everything is dizzy, kind of spinning around, going down to a point of light and then opening back up and just kind of to the point where all of a sudden throws up. And this is this is Dragonborn. So it's it's pretty raunchy. It's pretty raunchy. <laughs> Smoking and steaming. Yeah. Uh Kilvarex has just thrown up uh into the into the well, at least trying to go ahead and get it in there, I assume. Please describe how you all respond to the large dragonborn retching all over the place. Alarai is just going to take three steps back because she was right next to him. I feel fortunate that my skin was already full. Gus is concerned and moves to his elbow and is looking curiously at the smoking vomit. I believe the water is bad. And we'll just watch to make sure that nothing else is going to be coming up or happening. Candy picked up a ring and slipped it on and you saw him do it and you are jealous of the fact that you don't have the ring. You realize that this compulsion is coming from the ring somehow and are able to hold off taking action to get the ring from him, but you are now very, very suspect of the ring. Searches the sands will hold up his right hand with the ring on it and say, magical rings can be both a curse and a blessing. You must be more careful with them. Candy, when Searches the Sands says that, you realize what you did just now. Would you like to take the ring off? It would be a very rare ring that could control you that quickly, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Curious. Thank you for bringing that to my attention, Searches the Sands. And I'll slip the ring off and put it into a pouch. As you slip it off, you do periodically continue to hear it ask you to put it back on. It's not harmful in any way. It just likes you. Alarai, you can hear drums in the distance coming from the direction where the road seems to be heading towards those odd mountain croppings. What do they signify to you? Alarai has very limited experience, so she will automatically assume that perhaps there's a festival. And in fact, we'll, we'll say, do you guys hear that? Is there a festival? Well, you wouldn't know if there's a festival going on, but I think there's a festival going on. Now that Alarai has called them out, you do hear faint drums in the distance. There's a lot of echo and a lot of distortion over the space between where you are and where they are. So it is somewhat tough to tell. Drums at this distance just sound like drums. Well, Kilvarix, after wiping the last of the stuff off of his mouth, will look at everyone and says, well, it doesn't seem like anyone's here and we need answers. So we go towards the drums, I say. Before um, we leave, Kess, off in the grass, kind of to the to the lower right of where you're standing, you see a stone with markings on them. Can you read them? And what do they say if you can? 
they are runes. And Kess knows many scripts, can read the runes. And they say, beware. And do you call this out to the rest of the party? I say, those drums might be more ominous. Though I do agree, we might as well move toward them as anything. And for some reason, there's a warning here. These markings say, beware. I was just going to ask what my familiar perceives as it begins moving down the road. He is moving down the road. They are moving towards the outcroppings. The road seems like a normal road that has been not traveled a lot, but I mean, it doesn't seem like it's not like an ill repair or anything like that. It's just more a little overgrown more than anything else. He definitely says that there is activity, but it would be a couple of hours away for you. And based on the interpretation of the map, does it mm -hmm. seem to be that the this way marker is leading towards the hand and horn? Yes. I will call him back and let the others know we are in the which way. And if we follow this path, the hand and horn will be our next stop, as the instructions indicate. And we're wasting yes. time, and Kilvaric starts walking off. And Kess right. shrugs and says, let's go, and heads off. Begin walking down the road and leaving this dilapidated village. Actually, before we leave the village, Alarai mm -hmm. would like to look in a couple of the windows, because why would a village be abandoned? That doesn't make sense. Looking in one of the windows in, in one of the houses as you're walking by, you find some old piece of machinery. Something about it gives you the impression that it could be dangerous or cursed or, or something like that. W what is it and why do you have that reaction? I'm actually going to say that Alaray doesn't recognize the machinery because she has very limited scope of machinery, but it looks to her like it's busted. I mean, she wouldn't recognize any of it, but she it doesn't look like usable to her in any fashion. So following Kilvarex's lead, as he somewhat gruffly stops down the path, you guys leave the dilapidated village down the road. So you all take down, heading down the road, following Kilvarix's, again, somewhat gruff, embittered steps as he trudges through the low grass there. And as you are walking down the road, the drums that Alarai heard are definitely getting louder as you approach them. They are accompanied by some sort of music that goes along with them and laughing and celebration and everything like that, which definitely makes you sound like they are not battle drums and you are all a little off put by the fact that it's probably shortly after dawn uh, there seems to be some sort of a festival going on not particularly loud but there's definitely some sort of jollity happening off the horizon and as you draw near you can see several horse drawn style wagons they are uh barrel shaped covered in bright fabrics, silks, and dyed cotton, and, and such like that. And there are probably 
10 or 15 people gathered around a fireplace beginning to, it's probably just after breakfast, where they are all loudly telling stories and laughing. The, the women among them are wearing flowing dresses with rich embroidery, and the men are wearing trousers and, and shirts and colorful hats and, and things like that. They seem to be enjoying themselves rather uh, exuberantly as you walk up. Uh, Does any of them have a you, violin? So you see there is someone playing kind of a concertina type instrument, and there is a fiddler among them also. And as they see you near, probably from about 50 to 100 feet away, one of them calls out to you, says, Hail Traveler! Welcome! Can we get you anything? Whatever we have is yours. Yes, says, I like the music. Mm, as do we. Do you play? Maybe a little. Uh, we have not seen you here before, but there are a great many people that we have not seen before. What brings you here? A book. Curious things, aren't they? Just kind of squint. I'm a little turned around. Where, where is here? That's the hand. And that's the horn. So clearly you are at the hand and horn. How long have and you been here? We have not been here for long and we are never any place for long. Surely we will not be here for much longer. Where will you go next? Mm, that's a good question. We could go that way. We could go to which way, but there's not much there. So we discovered. Mm. How long has it been like that? We haven't been here long, and it's been here since we've been here. How long have you been here? Not long. We were never any place for long. A month? Mm. Time is always strange when you're someplace where you don't know where you are. To what region does this area belong? Isn't that a fabulous question? Think of it less of a region and more of a realm. I will turn and look at Kilvarix and just kind of nod. I asked the traveler, how did you get here? We travel. We travel many places. Mostly by wagon. What news of the surrounding area? Anything we should be aware of on our travels? We tend to uh, bypass the hand and horn and continue on our way. To which direction do you go? I don't know. Which way would you advise? Well, do you look to leave or do you wish to stay? There are many places have, to go if you wish to stay, and only one way to go if you wish to leave. Have you been to Three Tree Hill? Mm, Three Tree Hill. Small, dangerous place. Sticks a finger towards Kess's direction. Watch the little ones. Kess looks back and says, thanks for the tip. Little what? Mm. I think he means you. I'm more interested in this stay or leave thing. What, what do you mean, stay or leave? Well, you are in a place that you may choose to stay, or you are in a place that you may choose to leave. Perhaps both. And what choice do you make? Ooh, we travel. We always leave. We never stay. How do you plan and to leave? We will get in our wagons, and we will go. Which way? Not to which way. We've already been there. Kest raises an eyebrow and says, you know what I meant. Hmm. Indeed. But you do not understand what I meant. 
like the beings of my realm. They just follow the winds of the astral sea. We go where the road takes us. We do not try to tell the road where we want to go. Did you not say there was only one way to leave? Hmm. There's only one way for you to leave. There are many ways for us to leave. But we don't get to go where we want. Apparently, neither do we. Depends on where you want to go. If you don't want to go where you want to go, then you don't have to go that way. How do we leave? By going the way you need to go to find the exit. And what way is that? Well, where do you want to go? Do you want to I'll, go from whence you came or from where you're going? I'll point to whoever has the map. Ah, a map clearly showing you which way you want to go. Not which way, the other way. Away from which way. There's this double-talking stuff. I I can't handle it anymore, and I'm going to stomp off heading down the road again. I understand him perfectly. I'm not sure what your concern is. Cast trails Kilvarek saying... Watch out for the little ones with a wry Again, grin. The little ones can watch out for themselves. Yeah, just outside the, the cave is where Carolaris is going to be impatiently waiting for them to continue on. What do you celebrate? We celebrate that we are not traveling. And when we are traveling, we are traveling because we are not celebrating. What, what is better to celebrate than the fact the sun came up and that breakfast was hot? What type of folk are these? Do they look like they're humans or do they look like something mm. else? They look like they're human. And they also don't look like any humans necessarily that you've met before. There's definitely something about them that's different, but they have all the trappings of an air quote regular human. Alaroy is going to give the wagons a good look over. They are full of crates and barrels and things like that. For the 15 of them, there are probably five wagons or so. And they very much seem like the wagons that would belong to a nomadic people. Alari is going to kind of walk away at that point. Help yourself. Anything we have is yours. Now she's going to stop and turn back and give the speaker a look and say, I've, I've never known fair folk to give away anything for free. I did not say it was free. Some things have a cost. You do not give answers, though. Just questions and riddles. Mm. As we said, not everything is free. Some things cost money. I think any answers you have would cost too much based off we know how to get out, mostly. Most things that are worth knowing cost more than money. As the bantering is going back and forth, one of the women will walk over to where you all are having this conversation. I apologize for my husband. Sometimes he takes things to be a little bit more dramatic than they must be. Uh, do you know where you are headed? I'll point to Kilvarix. Please, my tall friend, come join us. Let us... Let us try to answer some of your questions so that you may be on your way in safety. Gavarks is gonna hum. <sighs> Fine. And stomp back over. And she will examine the map. So, well, surely this map is pointing here. And she will point to the structure at the lower left-hand side. This is a dangerous journey. As my husband said, there is a beast on Three Tree Hill that travels in the darkness 
and is very dangerous. Watch for him. What nature of beast? He is a great, evil, winged beast. If you are not careful and you are not observant, your livestock may soon be in his dread claws. Mm. Yet we have no livestock. It may take your dark-skinned friend out of spite then. If it's hungry, it may just decide that she's good enough. It would soon develop a case of fatal indigestion. You say this is from the hill and not the scorch of the red worm? The scorch of the red worm is just poetic. Long ago, the stories say there was a red dragon who lived there who so craved everything in his capacity that he became a volcano to keep people away. Fear not. Surely it's the simple things that are most dangerous sometimes. Hmm? And sometimes the most dangerous named things are the most dangerous. Huh. A fair observation, my feline friend. However, I will give you this warning also. If you are indeed headed to the building, know it is a cursed place. Be wary of your journey. However, it seems as if the map is saying that that is where you need to go. Seems like this whole place is cursed. Gus turns to Kovarex and says, you know, I learned more from that rock by the well. My red dragon friend, you are not wrong. Trust me, as one who travels between the realms and has seen a variety of curses, this place is just as cursed as the next and just as cursed as the one before. But cursed. And with the double speak, quit it! I believe that that will be our final parting word. May the winds of fate carry you safely. If there is nothing further that we can provide you on your journey, then we wish you fair winds and safe travels. I believe that we are marching into danger. We should take all necessary precautions. Then why would we march? still have to get there if you keep a reasonable pace the chalet that you are going to is within a day's journey you should reach there by nightfall unless disaster strikes i'll let the snake slither off towards three tree hill and let me know what it encounters if anything before you go perhaps something to go ahead and aid you on your journey She goes to one of the caravan-type wagons, opens a chest, and begins rifling through it, and comes back with with a ring with a bright red stone on it. Here's a gift. It may help you further in negotiating your way home. Sometimes the road home is a toll road, and sometimes negotiating your passage is necessary. Uh, Finally, some answers. Thank you. That does remind me. And I will withdraw this signet ring with the raven on it. Where did you get Uh, that? In the dirt by the well. She plucks the ring from your hand. Isn't that gorgeous? And she slips it on her finger. A fabulous gift in exchange for one of ours. Thank you. I did not say that it was a gift. You presume too much. And yet the ring is ours. Fabulous. 
you will have good fortune for this exchange of goods. And what did they give us? It is kind of a dark iron banded ring with a bright red stone on it. Is anybody choosing to put it on? Kilvarix is going to look at it and say, if you give me a minute, I can see if it's valuable or not. I'm going to take a minute to ritually cast detect magic to see if it is magical. Alarite is going to scan the tree line because we seem to be in a meadow when we've been gathered and they were making lots of noise. Yeah, you, you look around. Whatever noise they're making is scaring anything away. Nothing untoward in the tree line or anything like that. Kilvar actually ritual concludes and the ring is indeed magical. It's abjuration and it requires attunement, but you also feel like it has, it has kind of a persuasive quality, right? It's like it can kind of absorb information and absorb energies and things like that. The other ring, the ring that the woman is now wearing, the magic that it crackles with is kind of the opposite, right? It's like it is repelling. Almost like when you take two magnets and put them together, right? Uh, the other one repels it. And it, is, it crackles with kind of a dark and sinister energy to it where the ring of absorption does not. I will look at Candy and say, my yellow friend, this is a better deal. And hand the ring to him. I will slip it into my pouch. I will trust your words. I will look at the, the woman and say, a forced trade is still not a fair trade. Perhaps. My friend, I believe you made out better than you will know on this deal. I'll nod at Kilvarix. Anything further that we can do before you continue your trip? If you could spare some food or some snacks, I'm feeling a little peckish. Food and snacks abound. We would be happy to share what we have. And she claps her hands and several teenaged children bring bowls of eggs and bacon and and fine bread and things like that things that they don't seem to have the facility to make necessarily right so like the, there's no like bread oven here the bread still seems fresh the virus is going to pick some of the stuff that could travel for a day or two and you know Yep. Pull on some, but stuff most of it in his pack. Yep. They have like some salted meat and some like canteens of fresh water and things like that. Yep. Are people taking the time to sit down and eat, or are you just picking stuff that travels and just to hit on the road? I am picking stuff that travels to hit on the road, but snacking on it to make sure it tastes good before putting it in the pack. Tastes fine for trail rations. Yep. Next time on the Book of the Raven. Um, and he will report eventually, as he can see the peak of the hill, eventually, that there do seem to be three large oak trees at the top. So he landed, has snatched her in his mouth, and is looking now to go ahead and take flight. The other thing is that as you kind of work your way down, you catch the smell of an odor for sure. You have caught whiff of something
joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys, where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games, where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. 